now you're coming in very loud. I've run out of catchphrases, curses. Oh no, but I fixed it. I found the problem. Scott, you echo my ears. I am? Well, I'm also sitting beside you, so I can't tell the difference. I'm standing right here, Captain. In any case, yes. Hello and welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that takes a long time to transform every episode and it always looks the same and you know they could cut the bits with the legs or the arms once in a while or, you know, just just Dekazaki it the way Sailor Moon started to do in those later years. But here we are. I'm Scott. I'm Sam and I want Lego Voltron. I'm Dan, and the enemy just sits there and waits and watches, even though we are totally vulnerable while we do the transformation sequence. But do you want Lego Voltron? Oh, yeah. I want Lego Voltron. It looks really cool. (laughs) All right, so pick of the week, Sam. What you got? My pick of the week is coming to America by Eddie Murphy. I had to read that weird prequel to uh, Black Panther. Look. Look. Is a beautiful prequel to Black Panther. I've been sick the last couple weeks, so I had this bizarre craving to rewatch Coming to America, a movie I watched far too many times as a child and basically can recite from memory. Well, it's it again, TBS, man. TBS. God bless them. Shawshank Redemption and Coming to America every week. So true. It's still a movie, though, that's really funny. Like,. I realize that Eddie Eddie Murphy's humor got really off the rails later on, but this is one of the few movies where he plays such a genuine character. Um, like, Akeem is this sweet man who just wants to find his own bride, and he's very sincere. New Yorkers treat him horribly, and he just smiles and is like, I guess this is a thing people do. It's clearly very nice. And that's why I do go up to people in public sometimes and go, yes, fuck a you too. It is my favorite line. Also, wouldn't you want James Earl Jones to be your dad? Well, okay. James Earl James Jones Earl. could be anybody's dad. Considering how much stuff I watched in the 90s that had James Earl Jones in it, James Earl Jones is everybody's dad. See, Because guess what? He was fucking Mufasa. It's true. To be fair, Akeem's dad is not the greatest. I mean, his logic is clearly you need more rose bearers and more naked women in order to survive. And why aren't you sleeping with the bath maidens? What is wrong with you, child? So that I, I, part's a little weird. That he was sleeping with the bath maidens. Like, that was happening. Yeah. Which, when I was a kid, I didn't pay attention to. And then as an well, adult, I was like, oh, oh my god, he's king. That's right. He can do whatever he wants. Um, I forgot how malicious Arsenio Hall's character is in the movie. Like, Simmy's really nasty at times. And I think it kind of works because you have, again, this bumbling happy, kind man versus this one who's, like, looking like, why did we come all the way here? We were filthy rich in, you know, what is it called? What is their country called? I want to call it Wakanda, and I know that's not right now. Um, I can't remember what it is, but that's okay. I have no idea. It's okay. Scott's, like, looking for it right now. It's something ridiculous. And that's why I'm like, what is the name of it? Correct me, Scott. I need it. Zamunda. Zamunda. Yes, with all the dollar bills and everything having James Earl Jones' face on it. I just, I love this movie. 
My other pick of the week is I started watching Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. It is everything I wanted to be. I realize I am really late to that party, but James Vanderbeek makes me smile so much on that show. Especially because everyone just wants him to recite all the famous lines between Dawson and Pacey. It's the, really great. There are, wait, Dawson's Creek is quotable? Yes! There, there are quotable lines from Dawson's Creek? Did you watch Dawson's Creek? Yes, at like 8 in the morning in reruns. I ate my I ate my breakfast egos and watched my old my old Dawson's Creek with Lindsay trying to figure out why exactly anyone cares about anyone else on this show. They're all jerks, all of them. I had a crush on Joshua Jackson. We're not surprised by this. So, am I gonna have to sit you down and make you watch Fringe? Probably. I mean, I'm behind on every other damn television show in existence. So, what's another? In any case, Dan, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week is going to Warhammer Vermintide 2. Because I, for the longest time, have had a Left 4 Dead itch. And even playing Left 4 Dead with all the crazy mods you can download on Steam just doesn't quite do it anymore. Well, there's only so many witches you can shoot. Yeah, there's only so many times you can put your shotgun to the back of the witch's head and blow her head off. And then they come out with Vermintide, and that scratches that itch. Real nice. And it throws in elements of having unique character abilities. Like, you know, if I'm the pyromancer chick, I can sling fireballs depending on what type of staff I use. I don't have to worry about ammo. I do have to worry about overheating with continued spell use. With the dwarf, I I got a very powerful crossbow. I have some of the best sword and shields in the game. And then it, it throws that extra element of gear mattering before you start. And your character's abilities. And I enjoy that. And when you play with a great team, it's great. And then you sometimes keep getting stuck with the same troll in matchmaking because matchmaking kind of sucks because the player base is kind of small. Yeah. I do have to say, I I appreciate uh, Games Workshop's pivot on how they were doing video game, how they're licensing out video games now, where it's kind of just free for all. And a lot of ideas are shaking out of it in ways that wasn't happening under THQ. Didn't they have kind of a Battlefield clone called Dark Crusade or something? Oh, yeah. No. Well, that's it. I think, well, there's this weird sense that I'm getting that um, Warhammer is becoming a successor to Star Wars in the video game space in the sense that there are these pretty decent clones of other games with the license plastered on top. And so it's like this really reliable video game experience that just rolls around every, you know, couple times a year. Yeah, and, you know, I still go back and occasionally play some of the classics like Dawn of War or I still have it on my PS2, Fire Warrior. Well, I'm I am itching at Dawn of Warhammer <laughs> or uh or the, the the Sega strategy game. It is yeah, it is Dawn of Warhammer, right? Yeah. I I, I have no idea, dear. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I know they came out with Deathwatch and then right before Deathwatch's release on consoles, they pulled the Xbox version, which I'm a little salty about. Because it's total bullshit that of oh yeah, we're just having issues coding it. If you can code it for a PC, you can code it for an Xbox. An Xbox just tell, is just a tell really us. specific set. Oh, Total Warhammer. Total Warhammer. That's the second franchise. 
Oh, are you talking about the one for that's like the uh, Total War clone? Yeah, well, it, it's not a Total War it's clone. It's just Total War. It's just Total War. Yeah, yeah, and people love that too. Unfortunately, I don't have a PC that can handle it, which is why I was looking forward to Death Watch on Xbox. And then they pulled the Xbox version because they can't admit they just made a deal with Sony. Right. So that's my pick. I think all that's left is you, Scott. Yeah, it's uh, background to me. And, oh, God, I've been going through a bunch of stuff. But Why don't you talk about that special tour we went on and how many beers you tasted in okay. one day? So I, I would like to give a special shout-out to Waterloo County, Ontario, <laughs> and their obscene density of breweries per capita. We went to six, six in, total. Six in one day. We did six breweries in one day. Um, we brought home a very big haul. Yeah, we, we brought home a trunk load of beer. We are currently enjoying a feast of our haul. Let's give a shout out to what we're actually drinking, because so it's a goodie. So we're hefting some... Together we're bitter. It's a co-op uh, out of which town? Kitchener. This yep. one's Kitchener. And it's we're, we're having a session IPA. That, oh, it's made of candy. It is made of candy. We had we had all eight beers that were on tap there. Yeah, yeah we had everything they had. Oh, it was just it was delightful. That um the what was the one that I like? It was the other IP it was that IPA. That was the one I kept saying to you and we had to bring home the uh the session because that was just so good. What was the other one we got? Was the Czech one. The Chrome something, Sonder something. It is it is an extended German word, but it is like honey and barley and flowers and just this mishmash, and it tastes wonderfully summery. But yes, big shout out to the six breweries that we went to. So that would be Together We're Bitter, uh, Innocente, Descendants, Red Circle, TWB. TWB. Wait, Wait. that's TWB. Yeah. Uh, three block was what I was thinking block of. Three. Block three in St. Jacobs. They were so much fun. And last but not least, the winner of my heart, I'm really sorry, other breweries, the Wellington Brewery in Guelph, Ontario, which made the best goss I have ever had, which was the uh, the punch goss. It looks like fruit punch. It is it is divine. But I have a real pick, Scott. My apologies. No. Uh, God, I've, I've just been reading a lot lately, and I'm just... I, 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 you know, I, I do want to mention that Marvel Comics still occasionally puts out a good thing. It's not necessarily what everyone's looking at all the time, but, uh, no, I, I, I will mention that, uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It's a fun little Marvel comic, uh, where, you know, in the, in the recent story arc, uh, Johnny and Ben Grimm have to confront the fact that Maybe they aren't so fantastic anymore, even if they get the new smartest person on Earth to help them and also confront a good Galactus and hang out with the Silver Surfer and fight the Super Scrawl. It's, it's weirdly like, it, it, it had, it's a great successor to the Fantastic Four that, of course, now doesn't matter because they brought the Fantastic Four back, but. Yay. But anyhow, just, just the sheer amount of fun of having, you know, an eight-year-old genius and Ben Grimm, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing, idol of millions, just just hanging out and trying to solve the world's problems is great. And sometimes there are dinosaurs that are also demons that help. All right. So demons. if we didn't hint at it, 
We're talking Voltron. Yeah. We have a lot of Voltron to catch up on. Well, some Voltron. A few Voltrons. So, last summer we left off on the end of Season 3, which was kind of just a half season. But uh, we left off on the flashback episode and the implication that Hagar remembered who she was finally, and that was going to change her character arc. And uh, we jump into season two, and Shiro... I mean season... Not season two, dear. Season four. Season, season four. So so Keith is ditching the team. He's going out on his own. He, he's been a commando in space. He's the toughest boy in tough town. Hey, we changed the dynamic, and then we go right back to the same dynamic. Well, let's be realistic. Well, no, it's a good tension. Like, the writers are doing it well. They're actually playing it for tension, and they're letting it stew for episodes at a time. And it's kind of fun to watch Keith in particular have such a dramatic build-up well, okay. to and lead to him wanting to do this. Well, and there's always a character in the robot team that's, you know, the moody loner. And this is a series that lets him be moody and alone for Almost a months whole, at yeah. a time. Well, it, basically a, a whole season. Yeah, basically a whole season, season and a half. Yeah. And... You know, you know, as opposed to, you know, oh, the moody loner is still there at the end of the episode. It's like, no, no, he's not around. Let's be real. He's not, you know, Hiro Yui or Troa Barton who just stand there miserably going, I'm still here. Uh, you know, Keith's got baggage, but Keith's also got an agenda for himself. And I like that Keith gets built up to be this character who he's driven like, in his wanting to be alone, he's driven to become something that he thinks will make him better. And I like that we get this, and it comes for, like, all the seasons really combined in this case. He finds his family, he finds out who he truly is, and he accepts it very readily. Like, he's not traumatized by any of it. He just looks at it and goes, okay, this is a part of me now. When he meets his mom, like, in one of the later episodes in a later season, that's one of my favorite episodes. Because you see him working together with his mom, and you're just seeing this really sweet relationship that was kind of lost for so long. Um, and they kind of do it in a way where it's like, yeah, time has passed, but they treat each other with such friendliness and such determination. And I, I really like that about show because they easily could have went the route of, you're my mom, I don't trust you. Arrgh. Or, you're my mom, it's so great to see you again. Oh, wait, you've been beheaded. I'm going to cry into your helmet. Like, it was nice that, like, she got to live. It's great. And I like Keith's mom. She's pretty badass. Oh, yeah. And uh, other things for season two is we get Pidge gets an episode to meet her brother and show off how smart she is. And again, another great example of family dynamics being done well on the show. Having Pidge and her brother together was such a treat because they are, they're so similar and yet so different. And well, okay. go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Well, what I love is like later when they use that same family dynamic on both ends because Zarkon figures out, you know, who Pidge's father is because he's still one of the prisoners they have. And they use that as a hostage thing. But at the same time, it forces the dynamic between Lothor and Zarkon to come to a head. Absolutely. Space daddy issues. And it's done really well. <laughs> it's done really well too like it's one of those things where it's a nice mirrored situation where you're seeing zarkon and lotor 
And they're clearly just, they can't get along and they can't support each other's ideals to watching Pidge meet her dad. And it's like the greatest thing ever because we always had a family dynamic. And Pidge being just so happy. Like, it's great that Pidge gets to have those moments because I feel like she kind of gets neglected in some of the later, especially some of the seasons we're going to get to. She gets some neglect, kind of. Her and poor Hunk. Her, yeah, her and Hunk maybe get the short end of the stick. No, to be fair, like, Hunk is pretty normal. Well, okay, Hunk's an emotionally stable man, but it's still I, like you, you could add something for him. Well, I think what it is is they keep, they don't, unlike with, because this is the same team that worked on Avatar. Yeah, it, it yeah. That unlike with Avatar, where they have these longer seasons to stew everybody's story along and have equal parts to everybody's story throughout the episodes. I get the feeling because of these shorter season formats, they kind of feel that they get these story, these lingering story parts from early in the show that they need to get rid of to focus on stuff later in the show. Like that whole thing where suddenly Edge finds her brother and, you know, they team up for two episodes and then they find their dad and then dad and brother go off to do Whatever the fuck they're doing. They're on the bus. Yeah, they're on the bus, and that storyline's complete, so now we get to focus on this stuff over here. Yeah, and no, that's definitely the case, and yeah, no, Hug is definitely the Bolin of the group, right? Where it's like, oh, he's the funny one, we're not gonna throw much at him after this. It's kind of a shame, too, because I feel like there is stories they could tell for Hunk. Um... Well, Bolin got his in season four. Maybe, maybe Hunk will get his uh, at, before the end. Yeah, this I hope upcoming so. season, they're going back to Earth. So my mm. guess is the big three, Hunk, Lance, and Pidge, are gonna get big story stuff when well, they get back. Let's be to real, Earth. Lance will for sure. Oh yeah, because the way that things are going right now, you can kind of tell that they're hinting at something very big for him. Now, again, I- I'm gonna talk ships for a second. Because I support Lance and Allura, and I think they're really cute. I think that's actually where they're going, is figuring out how to get those two kind of together and being cute. Um, but, you know, Lance has massive baggage and an ego to boot with said massive baggage. So, I mean, we're going to have a lot of probably self-deprecating Lance for a good season. <laughs> At least that's what I think's coming. And I'm I'm okay for that because Lance is my baby and I'm going to hug him so hard <laughs> and tell him he's a good boy. And you're going to pet his hair and yep. make sure he has a hot cocoa and an extra blankie. Let's be realistic. We all knew as soon as the show aired that Lance was going to be my favorite, Scott. Yeah, I know. Lance well, is I my told... archetype. Well, look, he, Lance is working <laughs> off the socket expression model sheet, so I knew he was going to be yours. As much as Koran is a charmer. I love that man. I love that man to pieces. He does not get enough love. I still don't know how to feel about the Voltron show as an episode. <laughs> I liked that one. I thought it was funny. I think it was just perfect timing for me because when I watched that episode, it was like literally the week after I took my 10 and 11 year old cousins to see one of those Marvel stage shows where they set up the arena and they got all the the, the crazy pyrotechnics and lights and motorcycles and shit. And just watching that and just my knowing of behind the scenes stuff, and understanding the frustration of the Voltron Force of, we're saviors of the universe, we're not actors, but we gotta get out there and perform. Oh, that was delightful. And it was just done in such a tongue-in-cheek way, and I loved it. it you need those episodes of Levity. 
We do, we and need I need the break. And, and I think that's actually part of the problem with the last couple seasons is you're getting thrown one of those well, per the season. It's one of those in a season, but the season's so short. Yeah, it's it feels, it feels more distracting. It feels more yeah. distracting than you know, uh, like like okay, the Amber Island players because we're we're talking Avatar. Like, the Amber Island Players is the one goofy episode that's celebrating all everything they've done up to this point in Season 3, which is the longest one by one episode. Is it, like, 24 episodes or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like, it is one episode longer than any other season, but it's... And, and Amber Island was, you know, again, just this one goofy episode that has one loaded question at the end of it, but... It, it still stands out as the funny one, the break episode in, you know, this big, heavy year. And, you know, the Voltron show is four episodes into a six-episode season yeah. that, you know, we haven't necessarily had anything super heavy, even in a setting where Zombie Zarkon is running around being a bastard and Lotor is running around being... Creepy. Interesting. Crazy. He's kind of alien Hamlet, but actually evil? Well, okay, that's it. Like, he... They spent a lot of time building sympathy for him. They, they spent a lot of time keeping him in the maybe column for, you know, in, in 4 and 5. Like, hey, he he's, he's reasonable of all of the factions that fall out of the Galra Empire. And it sounds like what he wants is good. He he wants to, you know, stabilize the Empire and stop oppressing the people. And then you find out, oh. Like, this is actually what he was doing. And it was close crime, to... Atrocities, atrocities and war crimes. <laughs> and again, it sounds exactly like what he says. And then you see it and you're like, no, that's exactly what he said. Oh, God. It's not completely out of right field because when he's introduced, you say the same shit. Yeah, well, that's it. You, he's he's a charismatic leader who dismantles an entire coup on the grand stage of the arena floor, and as soon as he steps out of out of camera view, so he's doing shady to space Siberia. It's yep. shady, shady, shady. Oops, shady. And he's building vehicle Voltron. He built the vehicle Voltron, like we guessed. <sighs> Except it's not shitty, and it's only three parts. And you know what, though? I gotta admit, those fight scenes that you get with his version of Voltron is fantastically done. Like, I was just glued to the screen watching just all the pew-pew-pews and everything, and I'm just like, oh my god, like, no, like, don't hurt them! Like, poor Scott had to listen to me, like, screaming at the TV a little bit. Yeah, there was a lot of shouting at the TV. And it's just because that last season that they've put up... Obviously, we're airing this, or we're doing this before the new one goes up. Because um, this summer is us just not quite hitting the timing right. <laughs> yep. We're really bad at this. Um, Stick I was... around for a whole freaking year for us to talk about the last bit of Gun of the Origin. <laughs> well, that's taking its dear sweet time, right? So that's oh, part of the problem. It, it's around, but it's only on Hulu right now, so I'm like, eh. F you, Hulu. Why you hate Canada? Could be worse. Could be Thunderbolt 3, which is never going to happen. It could loop around, who knows. Regardless, I mean, I think the last season that they've put out, I think does the best job of, 
Like I said, I really didn't like the two building seasons that they had to get to where we are because I thought it dragged on a little too much for me. Like Again, I liked the stuff with Keith, but I didn't care what was happening with the Voltron crew as much. And then when yeah. we moved into the next season where we're starting to see Allura get her footing, it's like, okay, I can get behind this, but I'm still not that invested because... You know, we're also getting to the stage where Allura is very attracted to Lotor. She's attracted to his ideals. And you know that's not going to go to a good place. And I kind of am a little he's upset. He's too pretty to be good. Well, he's too pretty to be good. And it's the fact that it's like they just built up Allura to be this very smart, diplomatic woman. And they kind of took that all away from her. So I won't lie. I was a little cheesed how they handled her. Especially because she is smarter than how they made her dealing with Lotor. Yeah. She was just so blinded by how smart and wonderful his ideals were. And I'm like, bitch, I'm sorry. You know better. You've known better from like four other fucking seasons. No, I think, no, he's pushing her buttons. He's pushing Oh her yeah, buttons. no, he's, he's pushing all those there, buttons. But he's sitting here saying, I love Altaian history. You are Altaian no, history. No, and I get that, but it's too easy. And she didn't deserve how easy all of that was. That kind of has what's bugged me about these last two is they just hit the beats but there's no substance to what they hit the beats on. Like, he's researching how to get this pure quintessence. We still don't even know what the fuck quintessence is. Well, we kind of know what it is. It's shiny. It's it's, the shiny purple goo that makes the Empire run, but we got, like, 15 different uses short of a shampoo? No. Oh, no. No, no. I tell you, Lotor is using quintessence to shampoo. That's why his hair is so fantastic. I can agree with that, actually, because I don't feel like he has any actual real use for quintessence, is my understanding, other than to look good. Well, he built his giant robot, and he shampoos. Always repeat. Always repeat. But no, uh, what, what, what else could he be using it for? Skincare. I bet Lotor has really tiny pores. I Probably. Does. I mean, it's very depressing for him. It's just, it for me, it's like, okay, they're harvesting quintessence by sucking planets dry. But then when they... And tapping another dimension. And and tapping another dimension and tapping the world between the dimensions and tapping the Altaian people. Like, is this life force? Is this life force from only specific things? Is everything? I I don't want midichlorians here, but I want at least kind of a guide marker on... How just, the fuck this stuff is used? Like, one more rule would be enough, and that rule could even be a guideline. And let's yeah. be honest, though, maybe that rule is coming. Oh, With them going back to could. Earth, it's it likely, could. there is likely more to it, but I'm, I'm with Dan on that. I do think that that's kind of a frustrating thing, because you're looking at the facts like, oh my god, we need quintessence. Uh, quintessence, why do I care about this? We need it badly because we need to make sure that the universe is safe. What is it? Why do I care about this? And that is one it, of my big things when I'm reading a book or something. It's like, give me a reason to give a shit. It's almost a couple steps away from being Robotech Protocol. Oh, the protoculture. And again, this is where I look at the recent seasons and it's like, some of the characters are getting better development despite those holes. Because I still think looking at Lance's promotion, for example, I think was really well done. I think what we have with Shiro... Coming back to the team. And obviously he is not legit Shiro. We know this. Uh, He's a clone. He's a clone. Um, But it's the fact that they need that clone to be like, we can do this again. Because Keith didn't want to do it. But we can do this again. Um, You know, I think there's some good ideas there. 
And again, I think it's just not entirely all come together. I kind of wish at that point now that they'd push Lotor back just a little bit to give us that information hole that we're missing. Because it's a big hole when you think about it. Well, it's a perfect chance to have him be the info dump on stuff, but it's just, oh, it happens because Altaian agent technology. Well, Hagar is still running around being creepy and weird, and now that she remembers everything, there's definitely an opportunity for her to put a few more pieces in place. Absolutely. And, I mean, I'm interested to see where that's going to go. Again, I do think these holes are, they're as much as they're unanswered right now, I do think they're going to get answered because they don't have much left. They've got to be able to wrap up a lot of things. I'm... Well, no, they're, they're, the, the next two seasons are going to be full length. Yeah. And they're going to come pretty close together, and that'll be that. And Well, I'm interested to see because one of the things they're like, highlighting, for example, um, at San Diego Comic-Con, for example, was Ishiro's boyfriend. And I'm, I'll be honest. I squealed inside a little bit that he had a boyfriend. One of my girlfriends, like, she shipped Shiro Keith really hard, and I was like, no, I don't I don't see that. But it didn't mean I didn't think that Shiro was not gay, because he was totes gay, 100%. Keith is so straight, it's kind of sad. That's why I never got the whole... I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. I am interested... <laughs> Go ahead. To, to that with me and my friends, though, when we geek about Voltrad, we kind of have a bet going on if Keith's going to hook up with that other hot uh, Galra chick. Oh, who's probably. Part of, who's part of uh, Lotor's crew. No, not not the it hot is... one, the big one. The big one. No, 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 no. For instance, it's the, the hot, hot one. one. But then there's the counter thing of the over-under of the chance that she's probably his sister or something. Oh, uh, Poor no, Keith. That, no. Poor I, Keith. I don't, I don't think they'll go that direction. I still think he's going to end up with the big one, not the hot one. <laughs> We'll we'll see. We can all take bets. I'm hoping, like I said, that poor Lance gets his little his little little ship there because I think that would be really cute. Um, but again, I expect Allura to save him, which I think would be really funny because again, Lance has panic attacks and has no confidence in himself. And when he does have confidence, he gives it to everyone else but himself. God, I love that archetype. I hate myself so much. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's a great archetype for the character and. The one thing I like is that's been the like one constant for me, and you don't get it with Lance, Hunk, and Pidge particularly. You get some of the most well balanced characters for me, but at the same time, the 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 trope of the Chiro clone I saw coming a mile away. So that kind of just well, torpedoed any any excitement. For me. Well, again, I come back to must the 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 other gag episode for. The, Season the, the other gag episode in this bunch in season six, which is the one where they all play D and D, where oh god, Shiro <laughs> really wants to be a paladin more than anything else, even though everyone seems to think he can't. And then every time he dies, he just comes back as the same guy. Aww, as somebody who has had shit like with his D and D dice. Oh yeah, there, there, there's always. I think everyone's had that moment of just like, you know what, fuck it, my next character is also a level 7 fighter, his name is Frank Fellhammer, he's my last character's brother, and he's here to avenge him. That D&D episode priceless. Side note, this actually happened in a D&D game where I died four times in one night, same character. Uh-huh. The, the GM decided to make my character a sentient helm that 
upon death would fall off the person wearing it, roll to the nearest NPC nearby. They had to roll a will check not to put it on, and as soon as they put it on, they became the next embodiment of Gravnar the Ever Die. It's like playing Rogue Legacy. Yeah. That's wonderful. That makes me smile. Yeah. That D&D episode is priceless. Well, okay. It, it's great. And I mean, the fact that the D&D episode is becoming a thing in fiction just tickles me pink. But I do want to point out that Shiro is running around with the blazing sword. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, like, and it's and it's drawn to look like the classic one ooh. from the 80s oh, show. Oh, it's, it's like, you didn't have to. But I knew you would, and you made me smile. I love this show. For all its faults, I love this show so much. Oh no, it, I, it's it's super I, charming. I mean, it's it's not it's it's not the fullest high drama. It's not the best executed, but it's always charming. It's always fun. It's always charming. I, I love the chemistry this cast has. You'll probably have to link this in the show, Scott. Yeah. The, the, the voice actor for Shiro actually has his own YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And he did his own Shiro version of You're Welcome. Oh, dear. And at the same time, he had the cast from Voltron doing the background, Ooh, ah, you're welcome, and stuff like that. Oh, and dancing around to it is a funny as hell video. That sounds wonderful. But this, I mean, like, I, again, I, my biggest beef right now with Voltron is just that these smaller seasons are taking away from what I think could be really substantial plots. I think when you condense things too much, you fall into the trap that you're taking away from other elements, like character development, like setting development. What we're we're getting is these two-parters, basically. We'll we'll get a two-parter centered on one character, one relationship, or one part of the arc. We'll get a break episode, and we'll get another two-parter, and then we'll get into the finale. Which, which is usually the three-part. Which is usually the three-parter. And that structure just doesn't quite let you, again, be Last Airbender Season 2. It doesn't, it doesn't let you digest what happened. Yeah. No, and like I said to Scott earlier, one of my biggest beefs is I'm finding I'm forgetting the seasons, actually. Because yeah. there's no length of time, I'm sitting there going, I know I watched this, but do I remember it in its entirety? And he'll be well, like, yeah, to, no. That's why I had to, go ahead. No, no, I'm done. <laughs> no, it's, it's why I had to pull up the episode list is I'm trying to remember. Wait, was that episode a season ago or two seasons ago? Yeah, really. And that's kind of rough when you think about it. Like, trying Because to... these are coming out, what, every three months? Yeah. yeah they're... This, this release model is so weird. And it's one of the me. only shows that does it. Well, I know... Steven Universe does something similar where it's like eight episodes in one day or one weekend. It's a, it's a week-long event, and those episodes usually are all directly tied to each other or to past events, and it flows through as a smooth arc, where this will have, what, eight or nine episodes a season? Or six, at least half season? Six, seven. Seven half seasons, so we'll have like three story arcs at most. Yeah, it's. I find it a little rough. Personally. I get that Netflix's purse strings are really what's dictating how this is going, but I. And I'm glad the last chunk of it is coming out in two big chunks. Like the creative team has pushed back and said, we want to do this better and right going into the end. 
but it feels it, it's a this setup just feels weird to me because it's clear people the writers want the grand arc of you know nine year or nine you know the 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 grand six season arc of this show and Netflix yeah it's a serialized story and this format doesn't fit and Netflix is saying no 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 we we need these bumps to happen quick because this is still aimed at our younger demo yep. where as as much as this is a show for you know th- this is a family show not a kids show I'll say it's their their target demo is somewhere around 12 and they have to compete with anything else a 12 year old boy might want to watch so you need it to happen fairly quickly because if you take too long well your 12 year old boy's 15 now and he's watching something else entirely and yeah, not going to buy the toys. Yeah, they need to keep the attention from the kids to just switch over to YouTube and watch game streamers commentaries and blah. Yeah. Stupid. Vomit. Well, again, it's it's Cube. super competitive and I know Netflix has way tighter metrics than any other network, so they really do know what they want from their target demo and when they tune out and they can probably even guess why. So them saying we need more stuff frequently is... I mean, it's not a bad idea, and hell, probably one of their other animated shows um, is doing it better because it's, you know, 12-minute comedies. Hell, like, Dexter's freaking lab as a reboot is a perfect fit for Netflix. Man, I do heard. not burrow. Hmm? Well, I think that's the, what I was the thing with Dexter's lag, though, is it was always episodic. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, there's, there's more episodic, more comedic, or hell... Uh, even even something like Samurai Jack, where there wasn't a big arc till the last year, but it's just action and excitement, and at the end of the day, Jack doesn't get to go back in time, and he walks away, is is another idea. And it, it's it's a shame Netflix and Netflix business and Netflix creative couldn't sync up a little tighter. Yeah. Well, again, they don't have to go, like, extra long seasons. Like, that's kind of the issue I have with some of the Marvel shows that are on Netflix, is 13 is just too long because you end up with those episodes in the middle that are just kind of prattle. Yeah. And ideally, for some shows, shorter, tight-knit seasons work, but at the same time, a 10-episode versus a 6-episode gives you a lot more room to decompress analyze and think about what just happened in the episode before. Yeah, and, you, oh and, no, and eight just, or nine might be the sweet spot for all of this, and I, I want to say some of it is just straight up telling your writing staff, your writer's room, what your arc is and what your deadline is from Jump, and and we're going to need... It's, it's actually probably going to take a generation of writers that can really sit down and say, okay, here's, our, here's an eight-episode arc it's done, move on. And because we've got, right now, we've got animation writers that are sort of used to bigger chunks followed by smaller chunks. Like, again, the old guys in animation are like, well, the initial order should be 50, and then after that, we do it. Seven episodes every year. And then there's a bunch of guys in the middle that are more used to typical TV, and it's yeah, I, it, I, it's gonna... Th- th- we are in growing pains of TV. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those... It's, it's just one of those transition phases with with streaming being a thing now. Yeah. I mean, 
yeah, we're getting way too into the business of it, but at the same time, American television, even with their animated shows, has never been the 50-episode Gundam show. No, well... And at, at most, a season of the show is 24 to 26. Yeah, if that. And, like, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to flash back. The first season of Batman the Animated Series was... 43 episodes. That was the first season. That was the that was what Warner Brother paid that team to do. And that's on the assumption of syndication. That, yeah, that, syndication is not a thing anymore. But syndication, well, syndication rules don't exist anymore. Syndication's still money, but it's it's not the same story anymore. So, you know, now if they were to make a Batman show, they'd say 13 and then we'd roll from there. But then again, if this actually happened with Cartoon Network, is they had a 24-episode season planned out for The Batman, that 3D animated show yeah. that Paul Dini was working on. Beware the Batman. And, or Beware the Batman. Yeah. And they killed it after eight episodes? Yeah, Nine? they killed it. Well, that's the other thing, is we're seeing broadcast TV starting pulling the kill switch early. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, we're in growing pains of the business, so if streaming has weird patience, and broadcast has no patience, writers are kind of caught in this stupid vice that... They're trapped, because they don't really have any wiggle room to move, because there's the instant fear of one of those things is going to drop on me. Yeah. And it's the unpredictable, and it's not predictable either which one's going to be the one that hits it. That's the worst part. Yeah. Well, even in live action, like, series that are incredibly popular on network shows get canned at their peak. The Expanse, season three, had some of the highest ratings they've ever had. It, it was and also... Sci-fi canned it! Well, it was also, like, the most expensive thing sci-fi ever did. And, Yay, Canada! Well, Universal... Uni- and again, Universal has this love-hate relationship, specifically with Sifi, where it's like, yeah, no, these shows get us praise, and they get views, and they cost so much fucking money, and Sifi can coast well enough alone on subscribers airing the same episodes of Star Trek they've been airing since launch. You need to stop taking Gene Yoon away from me. Uh, look, you, look, uh, Gene Yoon gets blown up real early in The Expanse. Uh-huh. I'm sorry to tell you that Gene Yoon does not get to be a starship captain for all that long for you. Oma doesn't get to be space captain no more? Oma does not get to be a space captain for very long. Was that the captain of the, the, the CRN ship or whatever? Uh, the the yeah the Korean lady who's the captain of the Donager. Donager, that's, yeah, they do yeah. It again with it. Man, yeah, she doesn't survive on shows except for Kim's Convenience, well, the she, greatest show. Yes, I, I think she makes it pretty far in Orphan Black. Well, we'll find out when we finish it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've prattled on a little bit about Jean Yoon. We, we are pretty far afield if we are discussing the career of Jean Yoon. Kim's Convenience well, we, is great. You should check it out. Everyone should watch it. We, we, we had to discuss the business end because that's what's affecting Whoa. the show right now. Yeah. Watch Kim's Convenience. It will make you happier on 13 episodes than Voltron does on 6. Ouch. And that, I, I make that mean statement, but you know what? I'm going to compare a Canadian show that is a comedy that has ongoing story arcs through every season. And every single episode hits those story arcs in different ways and is done correctly. 
it's almost like the writers on that show got told, have some fun, but make sure these elements are still here. Well, they, they got they got their 13 episode order and this got the head writers invested in it as the stage play about a family and the rest of the room is fine being a sitcom about a convenience store. Yep. And But the best plot line actually is the one about Seaman Lou's character because he wants to get his gad. Mm-hmm. That goes on for two seasons. Okay, we've, we've, we've veered. I love you, we Voltron. We are. I love we you, are, Voltron. Get your shit together. Voltron, you got 26 more episodes. Which I think you will get your shit together. And I think you will wow me. I sincerely think by the end I will be wowed. If if they could take these other, the, these last 26 episodes and do two 13-episode arcs and do them well, I think you, you guys will get a lot of high praise. But if they keep it with this six-episode shortlist stuff, it's gonna hurt them. All I want is for Lance to get his happy ending because I, I think want, he deserves it. I just want Corin to be acknowledged as a useful person and uh, a valued I, source of information. And I, I do, I and do for want his mustache good, to be praised. Yes, <laughs> yes. I do want a good Earth arc. I don't want them to just show up on Earth two episodes and then two, three episodes they're gone. I want it to be like an, like the entirety of the next season is. Earth now having to play big with the galactic. Just and you know what? And I think long and hard and messy. And I'm gonna say I think we're gonna get that, Dan. Because again, given all the hints they've dropped, it seems like Earth is going to play quite the role this time around, which I think is what we need, truthfully. What we we've been saying even since last year. It I needs to go back to Earth. This show needs to go back to Earth to really up the stakes. And now that we have Hagar in a more intimidating form. And Lotor with his awesome, crazy vehicle, Voltron. Now's the time to put the screws to this. Oh, and, yeah. You know, they blew up home base, which is always a good move. We have no home to go to. Um, that well, broke think, my heart. I think that, yeah, that hurt. I think the thing, though, is with, with the whole Earth arc, though, is the fact that, yeah, we've dealt with how all these other worlds have told us how they've had to deal with dealing with the Galra Empire, now we have a realm that is actually sort of familiar. We'll have humanity dealing with the Galra Empire. Well, it's again, we get to see it from the start, and we get to see it in a place that we have investment in as people who live on Earth. And also, we're going to get to see that, that pilot instructor completely baffled by everything. <laughs> you, you guys wrecked a simulator. It doesn't actually have any, you know, fuel in it. You set it on fire. And now you're driving around giant robots that fuse into a giant Megazord? Yep. Oh, we're, Lance is going to shove it in his face. Paladins That's the worst part. We're kind of a big deal. Yeah. I love it. All right. I think that's us. Hopefully. Here's hoping the next season's a lot better. All right. Next time. Next time. Next time, Gadget. Next time. You found another catchphrase. Yeah, do the Reinhard right part, part right. Kids freeze! I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Thank you for listening. I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivative works, share-alike license, version 3.0 international. Visit sbopodcast.com for past episodes and links to subscribe. 
we will work on getting the rest of the summer of Mecha sorted. We may just have to extend just a teensy bit, I guess, if you want your number of episodes, dear. Well, we can honest. get one more. One more. I'll be honest, I'm struggling with Build Dive. It is so obvious, different writing. Oh, oh no, I, I, I'm watching it. I'm not necessarily. I'm not in love with it. it. Like it's well, it's fine enough as a thing that kills time. I'm I don't hate it. Is that that that's what I come back to? It's like yeah, it's fine. It, well, the thing it never me is, upsets me. It occasionally makes me smile, but it never it, it it it's never super exciting. Well, it what's really sad is it's when the parents aren't dealing with the big overarching plot of the stupid break decals. Yeah, are the most enjoyable parts of the series. Well, that's it. If you told me this was, weirdly enough, the slice of life of an MMO guild... And here's the thing. All the MMO shows set their states at dire as fuck, right? Yeah. So here's the MMO show that's just like, yeah, no, they're a guild. They're pretty casual. Uh, they raid a bit, but they mostly just tool around in the chat rooms. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like that's, that's fun and interesting. I think the thing for me is the fact that it's the crew from Age writing it yeah. versus the crew from the previous Build Fighter series because they're off doing My Hero, which is so fucking good. Well, it's it's a um, shame that okay, My Hero is a great manga. It doesn't necessarily need a good team to adapt it because the material's just right there. So it's sort of like, oh man, you're burning a good team on on easy mode. But um, at but the it, same time, have a good team on a good show. Yeah, and then you go to, because it's the team with age, and I already know how shitty they manage their whole unknown enemy bullshit, and the great plan, or the, the great MacGuffin of the ExaDB, which doesn't actually fucking matter till the last five episodes of the series. Well, again, it's... it's so, the break decals are just... <laughs> MMO griefers. That's it. It's hackers and griefers who literally are just... I almost enjoy the fact that they're straw men for guys who liked uh, build fighters more than build divers. I think that's an accident, but I like it. Yeah. It's not even a straw man thing. It's just... It's like, as somebody who works in IT, I mean, I understand it's bullshit, you know, anime MMO stuff, but at the same time, when the moderators and the guys managing the servers and shit can't do anything about it? Yeah, no. Uh, give me a minute. Yeah. 